This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, January 21st, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. Ten years ago, the Supreme Court handed down what has become one of the most controversial decisions in many years. Scott Blackburn with the Institute for Free Speech details the case Citizens United v. FEC and why its opponents so substantially misunderstand the court's holding. It was about 10 years ago. Uh, more than 10 years ago, really, when you think about the the genesis of this case, this was a case about a movie. Uh, and I will say, uh, using my editorial prerogative to say it wasn't a very good movie, um, called Hillary the Movie. And uh, the producers of that film wanted to advertise it on television and were prevented from doing so. So what what happened in this case of Citizens United? Sure. So as you say, a uh, uh, nonprofit corporation named Citizens United wanted to run a movie called Hillary the Movie, much in the same vein that Michael Moore had previously run anti-Bush movies. Um, they went to the Federal Election Commission and said, we're a nonprofit corporation. We want to run this movie. We want to run it close to the election. Uh, are we allowed to do this under campaign finance law? And the uh, Federal Election Commission said, no, you have to in order to run this, you have to follow a bunch of rules and you can't spend uh, corporate money on it. You can't spend your own uh, funds on it unless it follows a bunch of, of uh, different campaign finance regulations as they existed under McCain-Feingold. Uh, this went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And in 2010, I guess the when the oral argument was held, which was the, the, the year before, uh, the government held this position strongly. The The Obama administration said, yes, uh, this is true. We can prevent them not only from running ads for the movie, um, but from running the movie itself on certain platforms. At the time, uh, DirecTV paid uh, platforms. Um, that would probably include streaming platforms today. And not only that, this rule applies to even a single word of express advocacy if it's published by a book, and that book is published for, with uh, uh, for-profit corporate funds, which almost all books are. In fact, Justice Roberts, uh, in the oral argument, uh, basically asked this question directly about a book in which uh, the last line of the book is, so vote for X. And the government uh, asserted uh, very clearly, yes, uh, during the right time of year, we could ban that. That's right. They, they could they could prohibit that the publication of that book. Um, this, as you might guess, caused quite a stir. Uh, the government, act, they actually rescheduled oral arguments, which is quite uncommon in this situation. They had a second oral argument in which uh, then Solicitor General Elena Kagan took over the case. She said you could no longer, the government no longer believed you could ban books, but they could still ban this movie and they could still ban, say, a pamphlet that at the end of the pamphlet said vote for X. Um, they could prohibit that document. This led to the Citizens United decision, which essentially said that cannot be right, that it, we cannot allow a law which so clearly infringes on constitutional rights on the grounds that some corporate funds are used. So as long as a corporation uh, uses their expenditures independently of candidates and campaigns, uh, they are allowed to spend money on that kind of campaign activity. So since that decision uh, was brought down by the Supreme Court, it was authored by Anthony Kennedy. And, and if you can correct me if I'm wrong, but essentially it's my understanding that his 
uh, majority opinion in that case basically said, look, just because you are spending money through a corporation, you do not then have to uh, give up your rights of independent advocacy. That's correct. So, uh, you know, this, this decision caused a lot of consternation. I think a lot of it has folks indeed. on the... Uh, I think a lot of folks on the progressive left have, have in, in the intervening years since this decision, have sort of made it an article of faith that if you do not support overturning uh, Citizens United, you are not a member of, uh, of this group in good standing. Yes. Citizens United has has morphed uh, as a as a term in the political arena into something more than the facts of the case. It means to progressives and liberals sort of everything that is wrong with uh, campaigns, everything that is represented by big corporate money coming in and buying elections, even though the case itself did not did not deal with those issues in in the sort of fundamental way. It dealt with this relatively small question of independent expenditures. Notably, in 2016, uh, the victorious candidate for president, Donald Trump, was heavily outspent uh, by Hillary Clinton and allied uh, interest groups. Uh, in this campaign, we have multiple billionaires running on the, the Democratic side who are prepared to spend uh, at least... Mayor Bloomberg says he's prepared to spend $2 billion on this campaign of his own money. Um, now, that doesn't really get to a lot of the issues related to uh, Citizens United, but uh, it, it seems as if there is, uh, I don't know, I guess there there's just a misunderstanding about how campaign money gets spent, about how uh, in, independent advocates spend their money. Uh, which of those, how... Clear some of those up for us. Sure. There is a, a fundamental misunderstanding. First, it's, it's worth noting that uh, the Citizens United decision had no effect on Michael Bloomberg's ability to spend money himself. He could have, prior to this decision and any time uh, really in the history of the country, uh, spent as much money as he wanted uh, on his own campaign. So he, he, he can spend, any billionaire can, can jump in to try and uh, win the race himself. Billionaires have not been very successful doing this for obvious reasons. Um, well, maybe not obvious reasons, uh, because uh, the public, you, you you can only spend your money to try to persuade the public, and the public sees a billionaire spending billions of dollars and is often unattracted to that risk. But what Citizens United did do is open up the avenue of independent spending and eventually lead to the creation of what we know as the super PAC, which is a group that spends on express advocacy ads that say vote for Joe uh, during the campaign. Uh, they do so independently of candidates, and those groups have increased the overall amount of spending that has occurred in the four or five election cycles since the Citizens United decision. Th those groups uh, are still being sort of wildly outspent by uh, traditional uh, limited uh, sources. So candidates who candidates collect money directly from individuals. Uh, candidates are still, in, in almost all races, outspending uh, super PACs and independent voices. Uh, political parties are still outspending super PACs. 
for the most part, the super PACs now account for about a quarter of total campaign spending, and that spending comes primarily from uh, wealthy individuals who want to have a voice in the campaign process, sometimes successfully, sometimes unsuccessfully. Uh, they, they are able to buy ads uh, to, to try and persuade voters, and frankly, that, that has been a good thing. Nonetheless, there is this persistence uh, that uh, Citizens United was a terrible decision. Uh, and if you don't mind, point to some examples where uh, folks on the left would actually be pleased that this decision went, uh, as far as they're concerned, the wrong way. Sure. One of the truly surprising things, I think, for almost everyone after Citizens United is that uh, outsiders, true true outsiders to sort of the Washington D.C. culture, have done tremendously well in the in the system since the election. Uh, we've seen this on both the Republican side and the Democratic side. Well, we have not seen sort of the ossifying of elections with you know big moneyed corporate interests controlling exactly who gets elected. Uh, the most quintessential example of this might be Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, who. Uh, was wildly outspent by her uh, Democratic primary opponent, who was also a party insider, who also received a lot of support from uh, the the big money sources, from the the traditional uh, uh, funding sources, and and she was able to appeal to her constituencies as an outsider. She she sort of represents the quintessence of of what has happened since that time. But we see this over and over again. And in the most recent 2018 election, a uh, large number of the Democratic uh, the the successful challengers to incumbent politicians have have received the support of super PACs you probably haven't heard of, independent groups you probably haven't heard of that are not spending as much money, but are more effective at spending money because they're doing so for the challengers. So in the four election cycles uh, after Citizens United, excuse me, five election cycles after Citizens United, the average number of challenger, or of freshman members of Congress, challengers who beat incumbents, was about 77. In the four election cycles before Citizens United, it was about 55. So we've seen a fairly significant increase in turnover in House races. Uh, there's been greater diversity and more rapid change in this area of independent money. I appreciate that. Uh, but to what extent was independent money uh, contributing to those victories. Well, money can't buy elections, so the 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 money is uh, effectively benefiting people because it gets their name out there. It, you know, it, it offers the opportunity to be heard, to be part of the campaigns. Uh, but to to what extent any particular dollar helps someone get elected is is really difficult to say. Uh, the the probable answer is that. Uh, every dollar of money helps you uh, towards promoting your message, and then voters decide uh, whether or not your message is a good one. And so having more dollars from independent groups, even though it is only about a quarter of, of total spending, is is helping overall. Um, we also see uh, a number of incumbents have used uh, independent expenditures, have used super PACs, uh, or have super PACs that support them trying to promote their campaigns. They've been less successful doing so. The most famous example of this is probably Jeb Bush in the Republican primary of 2016. He spent about a hundred, well, he didn't spend his, the super PAC that supported him spent $120 million. Uh, and, uh, 
more or less utterly failed to convince people that he was an adequate candidate. So the money, the money helps. Uh, the money promotes a message. The money gets your name recognition, which is incredibly important. Um, it buys ads. It buys political speech. But it, 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 the voters decide whether that political speech is is worthwhile. So it will be interesting to watch with billionaires spending uh, massive amounts of money, whether or not their spending actually uh, contributes to vote totals, because in in many elections past, it just hasn't. That's absolutely true. Um, we've seen candidates like Michael Bloomberg before and Republican Meg Whitman in California a number of years ago attempted to do what he is doing, flood, flood the airwaves. And she did receive support. She she received name recognition. She, some people got on board with that message. Uh, but as a general rule, that does not correlate with winning. It, it's uh, I. I it's it's better to think of winning as causing uh, money to get in the race as opposed to money causing winning. Scott Blackburn is the director of research at the Institute for Free Speech. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.